0: Isaiah 41, verse 10, says this, "'Fear not, for I am with you. "'Be not dismayed, for I am your God. "'I will strengthen you, I will help you, "'I will uphold you with my righteous right hand.'" Fear is a really interesting thing because uh, for us, we look at fear and it's kind of exciting, right? A lot of us, uh, you know, like the thrill seekers out there who like wanna jump out of everything they see, those people have like a sense of fear that like excites them. That's why we watch all of these movies, Purge One, Purge Two, Purge 17, like whatever they have now, like it's just people killing each other and we're like, we want more, like we're weird, right? This is, we're weird. Like the 25th Halloween movie, we're watching all of these horror films all the time because somehow we have this weird connection with fear, and we like it. We even like to do it and scare other people. We like to bring fear into others. Uh, There was a couple weeks ago, uh, me and my wife were like, texting back and forth. We had the one car, so then I'm waiting. I, so I go outside, and she had gone inside to the parking garage, and she didn't know that I was going to go in there, but I was outside, and she's in the car, and I could see her in the car, and she's on her phone, and she's like dialed in, and she's super blind, so she like texts like this, right? It's like, it's like a hamster playing with food. Anyway, so she's like super close there. I'm like, wow, you're going to be blind, and she's, she's doing that, and I think to myself, oh, I see her from pretty far away. I can... Oh, I can get her so bad right now, like urine in the pants, kind of bad. Like, this is gonna be amazing. So, I, I do the whole thing. I see it, I line it up. I'm like a prey looking for the weak, right? So, I'm sitting there, I get into my form, and I like sneak like spider like all over there. And I'm like super low, and I kind of peek up, and she's still, and I'm like, oh, yes. So, I get up, I act like a bear's around, and I make myself really big. And then I just smack this window so hard. She turns, looks at me. This is the best ones, okay? The best ones are when they look at you and they don't know what's going on. And there's a delay of like a second and a half. And then the loudest possible scream you could ever hear in your entire life. And then everything inside of me was like, yes. And then there's that that moment where you're like, so giddy and joyous, and then all of a sudden, she goes from, <sighs> and starts crying in the car, and then in my t- I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, oh, this was funny, I'm in trouble, right? Like, I'm on the couch, you know what I mean? Like, this is not good. So I, I, so I open the door, I'm like, ice cream, you want ice cream? Anything, what do you want? Come on, no, don't cry. She's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I thought you loved me. I'm like, oh, I do. Uh, uh, Ice cream. Uh, 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 Ice cream. Like, that's all I could say. Like, I'm just, what can I do? There's this weird thing about us that gravitates to some kind of a weird fear. We do it with our friends. We do it with one another. And we even like to be scared at times. So why we go to haunted houses or whatever. It's a whole thing. So fear, fear is an interesting relationship that we have. But we got to understand it. Because fear also goes the other way. In this passage, uh, what God's really trying to do is he's just not talking to one single individual. So I don't want you to hear this as like me and my individual little self and my little island of a human being. I don't want you to hear that. He's talking to a whole community of individuals where he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous hand. He's he's just like reaffirming over and over to them, listen, these are all of the reasons why you should not be scared. This is all of the reasons why you should not be fearful. Now you're a little bit confused. You're like, okay, I don't really know how this fits with the whole theme of what we're talking about. This is what I mean. I told you the story about when I was a little kid. I went to my cousin's house, and uh, I walked upstairs, and all my cousins were watching Chucky, and, uh, and then I was like, no, and they were like, C. And they grabbed me and they like put me in this thing. You get it? Because C is like, it's like a letter. I'm just kidding. It's like yes in Spanish because I'm, anyways. So they grabbed me and they're like, okay, <laughs> sit down. So they put me down and, uh, and they forced me to watch Chucky. And I was like, no, it was the worst thing in my entire life. Uh, But then what began to happen was, like, a really weird, irrational, like, fear that happened inside of me. Um, And I've mentioned this before too, where I would, like, look at objects in my room at night, and I knew that that was a TV, but my mind's telling me that that's, like, a dragon, and it would, like, transform. And my only response was, and we all know this, like, when aliens or, like, dragons or monsters are in your room, like, as long as you cover yourself with your blanket, it's like the ultimate form of protection, right? Like, that's, that's what we think. Like, if my feet are out, I'm like, well, I'm dead. So I have to cover everything, I'm protected, right? It's like the ultimate shield. I don't know what, why that happens, but in our minds, that's what happens. And I would do that, and I would sit there, and I would cover my whole body head to toe with the blanket, like, everywhere. And I would kind of, like, self-tuck myself in, and then I would cram my face up against the wall for where my bed was so I could breathe, and I'd be completely covered like a mummy. So imagine how awkward sleepovers were. You know what I mean? Like, people are like, are you okay? <laughs> Do you have oxygen? And that would happen all the time. And, uh, and it, got, it got really bad. And uh, it, led, it led me to be, like, honestly, like, 12, 13 years, years old, like, running into my mom's bed because I was just terrified of, like, being by myself. And it was, like, a thing. And I would think about it all the time. And it would just, like, really, like, screw me up. And then later on, it wasn't even just like the scary stuff. I got over that fear, but then it became other things. It became the idea that I lose everything. I lose everything, everything. I went on a, a trip with uh, Pastor Mark. We went to Saskatchewan. I had just gotten a new phone. I went there. Don't ever go there. It's like the barren wasteland of death. Anyway, so we go there. We get back onto an air, uh, into the airport. I plug my phone into the wall, and my mind was just like, get on the airplane. I just got on the airplane and left my phone, like, charged into this wall, and I left it. When I was in the 10th grade, I got a phone for, like, the very first time, and then in a week, I lost the first phone. Two days later, my mom got me another phone. I lost the second phone, and then I found the first phone, and then I lost that phone, right? That's, like, my whole life. You can imagine how angry my mom was with me. And it happens all the time. I lose keys. I lose phones. I lose track of... All of these different things and forget from this is just like constantly on my mind. So every single day that I'm driving, there's like this overwhelming fear that I've forgotten something, I haven't done something, I've misplaced something, and it happens all the time. And it's this like fog that like sits over me all the time of just like absolute, like what have I done wrong, all the time. I did this exam called the Enneagram, and it gives you a bunch of numbers from like one to nine, and I'm number six, and number six main thing is fear which means I'm constantly living in this fear all the time, and I've recognized that. Now, how is this an idol? How is this something that, like, rules your life more than anything else? It's a pretty simple question. If I would ask myself, because this is my thing, of all the things I would think this is my thing, I would have to ask myself, on a day-to-day basis, what runs my life more? What changes my decisions on a daily basis? What do I make my decisions based on, Jesus or fear? And the sad reality for me is I would have to say fear. So, if that's the very center of all the reasons why I'm making decisions, if that's the very center as to why I do the things that I do, then it means that that's probably the thing that's running my life. Now, for you guys, it's really interesting because we hear these passages all the time fear not. I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. You hear those things, and for some reason, it goes in one ear and goes out the other. Like, it doesn't really make an impact. We sit here, we say, fear not, fear not, it's the biggest command in all of the Bible. It's said over and over and over again, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, and yet we still do, all the time. There's things about fear that's really, really weird for us. Um, one article that I was reading this week said uh, this about fear and about our lives. I think it's accurate to say that fear underlies pretty much every kind of conflict in life. Many kinds of fear impact not only in political attitudes, but also many other parts of life, where they may remain unconscious, but give rise to like, weird, debilitating emotional conflicts or unwise, healthy decisions. And this is the part that I think was quotable, and it's, it's going to be on the screen. Many fears grow from the clash between the sense of who you are inside, what your true interests are, what you desire, think, and so on. On the one hand, and on the other hand, the power of your family expectations or pressures from the external culture all steadily shape your conscious values, choices, decisions, and eventually your definition of who you believe you are. The definition of who you believe you are is based on fear. That's why it's an idol. That's why it controls you. And it happens in a lot of different places. We have uh, a large amount of people from Christian schools. Man, there's a piece of me that hates Christian schools. Like, there's a piece of me that seriously is going to be like, I'm never putting my kid in a Christian school. And the reason why is because it's the one place that you should feel safe as a Christian, and it's the only place where it's the most uncool to be a Christian. It's the biggest joke I've ever heard in my life. That you sit there, and the cool thing to do is to not be yourself that's what you're learning the cool thing is to not be yourself so if you want to show devotion to Jesus you are not cool that's not what we do here you see how crazy that is of all the places that I could think of of where Satan would go to like dismay and disillusion a lot of different people I wouldn't think it's the place that gathers around Christians in a in a room together and it happens and so, why do people come and they show up and they say to themselves, You know, I want to follow Jesus, but they find themselves doing these weird things? You know, they want to come to youth, but their friends are around and they want to put their hands up and they want to worship, but they're like, Oh, what are they going to think of me? That's fear. Or what about the people who you know you shouldn't be doing things, but all of a sudden the pressure of everybody else kind of gets to you. What is that fear? or the decisions that you make, or the people that you date, or the people that you hang out with, or the money that you spend on, what if all of these things have to do with basically the idea that you just want to fit in, and you're living in the idea of fear? It happens to us all the time. It's parental expectations. That's why you work so hard at school, because you don't want to let your parents down. Why do you go and get the extra job? Because you want to make money, because you want to be a support to someone, because you want validation. It all goes back to fear. It all goes back to this idea of, man, I don't know what I'm doing, but whoever it is that I want to impress or that I want validation from or affirmation from, if I don't get that thing, I don't know what I'm going to do. We have the fear of rejection. We have the fear of disappointing others. We have the fear of not fitting in. And all of those things move us in such a way where we become different people than we originally intended. Fear. Like it runs us. It it, it just goes with us all the time. So a passage like Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Doesn't mean as much to us. It's fear. I always think fear is really funny when you start getting nicer things and then you become fearful of those things. Right? If I got a really, really nice car, if I had like a junker car and somebody like dinged my car, I'd be like, whatever. But if I had a really, really nice car, like a Lamborghini or something, or like a Ferrari or like an Audi, whatever, and someone just like dinged my car and I saw it, the greater value of that thing makes me freak out, right? I'm just like, oh, what the heck? And I'm just like, meh, like, I'm just like a whatever, <laughs> sword guy. So the other car, right, I'm just like murking that thing because I'm like, what'd you do? Why'd you do that to my thing? And you like, freak out or like you get new shoes and someone steps on your shoes and you care more than you should. And you start having this weird thing where in order to protect the things that you really care for, you start like trying to control everything. You start trying to prepare and organize so you don't have things happen to things that you really care about. And you're controlled in your organization. You put as like you being responsible, but really it's coming out of a place that you just are fearful of the outcome of life. It's fear. It just keeps coming out in all of these different ways. That's what I want to say. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because I am that person. Man, when I was in high school, I forgot. (laughs) I was going to Italy and Greece with my high school, and it was all with my my PE teachers, and uh, my mom gave me a blank check to go to school, (laughs) and I dropped it somehow on my way to school. And my mom said, so-and-so just cashed a $1,000 check from my account. What did you do with the check? And I'm like, holy moly, she's going to kill me she's going to make a new one, she's going to forget all about me, I'm dead, right, that's my my thought, and ever since then, for some reason, I don't know why, this whole money thing has just been like a, oh, I'm so terrified of this, all the time, I'm like fearful, like there's experiences and there's instances in life that just like attach to you, and you just say to yourself like, whoa, there was a season where I I was in 10th grade, and I was going to church, but I wasn't really like I wasn't, like, fully bought in. I was kind of going, and I was just learning. I hadn't been to church before, and all these people were telling me these really cool Christian-y things, whatever. But I was still hanging out with all my boys or whatever. So we go on that Italy and Greece trip. And for some reason, I don't know why, we thought it would be cool to steal all the lawn chairs in the hotel that we were in and then put them on the roof. So we did. We just Me and, like, three other dudes, like, stole all of these lawn chairs, and we put it on the roof. And... Uh, and we, cause in, you're in Europe and you can do whatever the heck you want there. Uh, we had like hidden uh, bottles of alcohol like in our backpacks, and we'd gone up to the roof and we had thrown ourselves like this little party with like a bunch of other people. And we had grabbed a table and we had pre-mixed drinks and we put them all on the table. And we're sitting there, we're like, ooh, look at us! Like we're in Italy on a rooftop. Like I'm like Kim Kardashian, like whatever. And we're just like hanging out, having a good time, cause it's like that's whatever. And so we're doing that, and, uh, and we're kind of just hanging out and having this awesome night, and the door flings open. And uh, it's uh, Mr. Moy, who's my PE teacher, and he looks at me and goes, oh, this looks fun. Yes, it's really fun, yeah. Oh, cool, this is like, oh, this is such a good idea, like hanging on the roof and looking at the scene. Oh, yeah, such nice trees. Right? Like, we're just, whatever, trying to just get him to leave. And he's like, no, like, this is so great. Like, oh, I should get the other teachers to come up here and we should all hang out. No, like, we just want to bond as a student body. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're just trying as much as we can to not get these people to, to you know, kill us. So then uh, Mr. Moy goes, oh, man, I'm so parched. No, no, you're not. No, you're not parched. <laughs> and he walks over to the table and he grabs one of the cups. And uh, we thought to ourselves, oh, no. We're going to blame the ninth grade girls, right? That's what we thought immediately. And, uh, and as he goes to the door, he says to himself, he says, uh, this better not be spiked, gentlemen, and walks away. And we thought to ourselves, oh, no, it is. It totally is. He called us gentlemen, and we're not, you know? We shut down the whole thing just like totally terrified. Shut down the whole thing. And, uh, and me and the guys who you would assume to be, um, these are like the machoest dudes. Like these are like the cool guys. Like when everybody else is like doing things, they're like, no, we're cool. Like those guys. And they were in my room and the three of us are like terrified. We had a cup, we put it to the door because the teachers were next to our, uh, like the wall beside us and they were chatting and for some reason somebody thought you put a cup to the wall and it makes you hear better I don't know (laughs) so we just sat there like the three of us taking turns like listening into their conversation and it was terrifying terrifying to think oh shoot I'm gonna be that guy who gets like sent home from Europe because I'm being stupid and uh and it stuck with me it's like that moment Because it wasn't just the moment of, like, going home and the embarrassment. It was the train, like, the rabbit trail that I went on in my head about, oh, I'm going to get home and Mom's going to be so disappointed in me. She's done everything for me, and then I'm going to disappoint her again like I usually do. It's the way that my grandma's going to see me after this moment. It's the way that all of these things happen, and it, like, really, really messed me up. And fear, once again, became the thing that started operating in me and deciding my decisions for me And not Jesus. That's why for me I would think that at times I begin to worship fear more than anything else. So what about you? How do you interact with fear? How do you live with it? How do you live with rejection or the thought of disappointing others? What about the idea that when you think about something just like what he's saying, fear not, fear not, do not be afraid. I think some of the times that we don't believe in God are the reasons why we fear. And what that looks like is us trying to do God's job. There are multiple times in the Bible where this happens. A guy like Abraham, where God goes up to Abraham and he says, hey, you're going to have a kid, and this kid is going to be really, really important to the world. And Abraham's sitting there going, oh, crazy, okay, I'm going to have this kid. And that's all he gets from God. He just gets this promise, you are going to have a child. And for the next couple chapters, all you're going to see is Abraham and his wife try to make a kid happen because she can't have a child. And so they manipulate and they move and they make all these decisions and they do these things and they do these weird actions to try to have a child. So they go and they get another woman and they say, okay, Abraham, go and be with her and have a child with her because that's how we're gonna get the kid. It's like this one promise and this one thing that goes into our mind, their idea was, okay, let's take control of it. Let's make it happen. Let's be the ones that do it. And they took it into control. And God's promise was to Abraham, you are going to have a kid. And just like the fall and just like Adam, they grasped for that thing. And they they tried to do it on their own ability instead of trust him. So what what was God's test to Abraham? What was the very thing he called of Abraham to give up? His kid, his son. That's what that whole thing is about. It's the promise that I gave you. You tried to do it but you can't do it. You have to wait for me to do it. We do this all the time where we try to do God's job because we don't trust him. That's where this comes down to. We do not trust him. The things that he says, we do not believe. So when it says these things like, fear not for I am with you, be not dismayed for I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's telling you over and over and over again the reasons why you should not be fearful. It gives you the five pillars. God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me. God will uphold me. But the whole thing of worship, of fear, and the idol of fear for us is we do not believe it. That's the problem. We do not believe it. Because we sit here all the time. And if we're honest with ourselves, what we're really saying, when we say, no, God, I trust you, God, I believe in you, is no. God, I don't believe you have my best interest in hand. God, I don't believe that you love me. God, I don't believe that you have a plan for my life. God, I don't believe that you're actually gonna follow through with what you said. God, I don't think you ever think about me. God, I don't believe anything that you're saying to me. I have zero trust in whatever it is that you're saying for me to do, I don't believe you're gonna do it. That's really what's going on. Why does it go one in, ear, in one ear and out the other? because we don't actually believe it. That's why fear has such a grip. Because if we say, if God can do it, or I can do it, I'm going to take me being the one to do it every single time. And the whole thing of tonight, honestly, is that we just got to get to the point where we're not pretending that we're still sitting here going, God, yeah, we trust you. Yeah, God, we believe in you. God, you're going to do amazing things, and we don't actually mean them. Like, what does that look like, to be honest? What does that look like, to not play the game and just sit here in a cushy Christian life? Looks like saying the right things, doing the right things, being in the right places, but truly having an honest conversation with God. This is why the psalmists are so important. Because they sit there and they talk to him. They talk to him ruthlessly. Dude, I have zero idea what you're doing. You said this was what's going to go down, and you're doing the exact opposite. What is going on? That's important. Where he constantly is looking at God and going, God, whatever you said is not happening. God, whatever you told me is not going down. You said you cared for me. You said you loved me, and everything is going wrong. What is this? That's someone who doesn't pretend, which is why when you look at the Psalms the whole way through, David looks like he has some craziness going on because, in one, he's going, God, my soul is so down. And the other one is like, man, I want to be nowhere but in your home. That's an honest individual. And I think that's what we've lost. It's just the honesty for us to sit here and actually go in our minds. Man, all the things that I'm saying I don't really believe. And then we keep adding those things up. We keep adding those things up. And all our Christianity becomes in our schools, at home, at work, on sports team, is just a mask that we hide under. And then when we're in a room by ourselves, then we are actually the person we believe we are. Fear. Just ask yourself the question. When you look at your life, are you terrified of disappointing others? Are you terrified of people not seeing you the way that you want to be seen? Are you terrified of rejection? Are you scared of a million different other things that make decisions for you on an everyday basis? And if that's true, that's okay. But let's just be honest about it. Because the only way that you get through this is if when he says all of that, fear not, for I'm your God, I will help you. With my right hand, I will uphold you. The only way to actually get through any of this is to trust him. I'm sitting with someone the other day, and we're going through a bit of a conflict, and we were just chatting it through, going back and forth, somebody I deeply love. And I go, how are we still dealing with this thing? We talked about this months ago. And I told you all of this stuff. And her response to me, she just looked me in the face and goes, I think the problem was when you said those things, I didn't believe you whatsoever. And that's our whole thing with God. And I told you that I loved you. And I told you that I cared for you. And I told you not to fear because even the grass survives. Even the lilies in the field, the birds in the air, all of those things are cared for. I care for you more than any of those things. And the honesty is, with a lot of Christians, we just don't believe it. So what does that look like? What does it look like for you to be honest? What does it look like for you to take a deep dive in your heart and say, okay, that might be true? Because if it is, then awesome because at least we're starting in the right place and we're being honest with it. The Garden of Gethsemane is a spot where Jesus is sitting in this garden and God is going to put him through the worst thing possible. And what did Jesus respond with? God, if you could take, like, Father, if you could take this cup away from me, let's do that. Let's not do this. That's the perfect image. Jesus God in flesh is saying to the Father, I'm being honest with you. I don't want to do this. But your will be done. What does that look like for you and me? To be honest. To find ourselves in a spot that actually makes sense. Because he does love you. He cares for you more than you think. That's why Jesus died on a cross on your behalf not so that fear can determine your life or make decisions for you, but so you know you're loved and fear does not determine your identity. So let's pray. These guys are gonna come back for worship and uh, and we'll chat. Father, we thank you for for tonight that you would just be able to use this uh, for us and you would just allow us to be more aware of a lot of different things. God, that you would... uh, yeah, you would use a time like this in the worship afterwards to really make sense of what it is that uh, we want to do and what we have to do after this. I just pray that you would use small groups. Uh, yeah, to make us think about stuff that maybe we've never thought of and that we could be the community, the people all around here, that uh, we would use us as the ones who really make an impact in our life to get fear out of there and that, Lord, you would be the one who really you know, rules and reigns in our life. So Father, we thank you. We love you. Just want to pray. Amen.